The face coverings that have been required in most indoor and outdoor situations may soon become a thing of the past. With fully vaccinated individuals returning to campus this fall, USC's COVID regulations are beginning to relax. I'm Finn Carlin. And I'm Tyler Fedor. You're listening to In The Loop with SGTV News 4. This podcast is a part of Garney Media Group's podcast network. Garney Media Group is the collective partnership between student-run media outlets at the University of South Carolina. Find out more about Garnet Media Group's podcasts and other student work on garnetmedia.org. Following Governor McMaster's statewide order to dismantle mask mandates in South Carolina, the university has followed suit, stating that face coverings are no longer required in most campus facilities. Also, students have criticized the university for continuing to pay alleged sexual harassers while they work outside the classrooms, saying the act is essentially a paid vacation. Now, one of the alleged is officially on a paid vacation. And a teacher in Richland County now faces criminal charges after being accused of kidnapping and assaulting a child as a Columbia Uber driver. Stick with us. We'll keep you in the loop. As more adults in the United States are becoming fully vaccinated against COVID-19, mask mandates are being loosened across the country. South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster has removed all mask mandates within the state, saying if local governments wish to keep theirs in place, they will need to rewrite them on their own. Now, though the Columbia City Council has extended its mask mandate through June 5th, the university has sent an email to the student body that those who are fully vaccinated no longer have to wear a mask on campus and in most of its facilities. News 4 reporter Justin Walsh joins us now from Columbia. How are you, Justin? I'm good, Tyler and Finn. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so after a full academic year of being required to wear face coverings and socially distance in most indoor and outdoor situations, both on campus and in Columbia, the university is pulling back on their restrictions, stating that masks are no longer required in most campus facilities if you're fully vaccinated. Now, are there any exceptions to this change? Will there be certain zones on campus where masks aren't required, or is that restriction being removed entirely? Yes, so even though the mask mandate is being lifted for fully vaccinated students, there are certain areas and parts of campus where masks will still be enforced and that the student health services still requires it whenever you go in there and on student shuttles and any sort of public transportation that has to do with the university. Masks will still be required in that case just to mitigate the spread, especially in areas like the student health services. So although most residence halls and academic buildings are okay. We don't have to wear masks there, but in student health and other forms of transportation, they are still being enforced. Yeah, now let's talk testing, because while free on-campus COVID testing was highly encouraged in the fall, it was required that students got tested monthly in the spring. Now that students are getting eligible to be fully vaccinated, are these guidelines going to carry over into the fall? I mean, how is testing going to look during the upcoming semester? Fully vaccinated students, it is highly recommended and encouraged that they upload their vaccination card onto their My Health Space account. But unvaccinated students will still be subjected to the monthly testing. And if you do not get that monthly testing, you will be subjected to the punishments that follow, whether that be fine leading up to worse consequences. So if you are vaccinated, make sure you upload your vaccination card to your Health Space account. And that way you don't have to get the emails from the Health Center reminding you to get tested monthly. But um, for those who aren't fully vaccinated, the university is still requiring it as those uh, students also for masks. They will also be subjected to monthly testing as well. Right. So aside from whether masks will be required in certain parts of campus or if the university is going to continue their mandatory COVID-19 testing, which it sounds like they might. Are there any other regulations or guidelines that will be kept in place or added in regard to mitigating COVID? Even though a lot of 
precautions are being eased up. And that's great because a lot of students are getting their vaccinations as well as faculty. I know for the longest time we've been used to the phrase six feet apart, but according to an email sent out by Deborah Beck, uh, we are now limiting that to three feet apart, which definitely sounds interesting to all of us. But um, aside from that, I think only time will tell in regards to how these new guidelines will come to affect the university because three feet, who knows what that difference makes in terms of being six feet apart as opposed to the other way. But what I can say is that I know I said that fully vaccinated individuals do not have to wear masks. That doesn't mean you are not allowed to. In fact, you are encouraged if you feel uncomfortable with that. So whether that be in class or even in the Russell House, you can still wear a mask if you want to, but those guidelines are being lax, but they are still there, just an attempt to transition back to some sense of normalcy. Justin, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Grief and mourning swept the AC Flora High School community as one of their students died in a shooting this past Thursday. Senior Carlisle Kelly, an 18-year-old soccer player and cross-country runner, was set to graduate from high school within the next few weeks when he was found dead inside of his car. SGTV News 4 reporter Caden Dinkins reports. On Thursday, May 27th, around 6 p.m., AC Flora student John Carlisle Kelly was shot and killed, says the Richland County Coroner Nada Ruthford. The incident occurred on the thousand block of Fraser Street off of Bluff Road. At the scene, officers found a vehicle with Kelly unresponsive in the driver's seat and multiple bullet holes in the driver's side door. Kelly was pronounced dead at the scene. Kelly was a multi-sport athlete at AC Flora High School. His soccer team expressed their mourning in a tweet. We are all very saddened and devastated by the news today. Words really cannot describe it. As of now, no suspects have been found and the Richland County Sheriff's Office will continue to investigate the crime. In Charleston, Caden Dinkins, SGTV News 4. A teacher in Richland County School District 2 is facing charges after allegedly assaulting and kidnapping a child as an Uber driver. 58-year-old Gina Kessie, a Blythewood Academy teacher, is the woman facing these charges following a lawsuit filed by a Columbia mother who called an Uber for herself and her two daughters back in October of 2020. When the driver, Kessie, arrived to pick them up, the mother put one of her daughters in the back seat, which was when Kessie allegedly drove away with the child. After trying to open the locked door, the mother says she tried to run after the car, then calling the police. The lawsuit also alleges Uber did not assist authorities in finding Kessie's vehicle, according to reporting by Fitz News. We're now joined by News 4 reporter Beyonce Watson. How are you, Beyonce? Hi, Tyler. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So this altercation between Richland County Police and Kessie happened back in October in 2020. How come we're seeing this come back up now, almost eight months later? Right. So as you said, this did happen in October of 2020, but this is just now coming to light because the mother of the child has just come out with a new lawsuit on May 24th, 2021. Right. So we've now got this lawsuit that has been filed by the mother, but we also have heard differing accounts of the incidents from both sides. We know what the mother claims happened that night, but what's Kessie saying? So the story that the mother is saying and that the teacher Kessie is saying are completely different. Kessie is claiming that the mother put her daughter into the car, went back into her house to get her purse, and Kessie claims that she waited for the mother to come back. Kessie says that the mother returned to the car and that she heard the mother close the door. So she pulled off and did not realize that the mother wasn't in the car until they arrived at Chuck E. Cheese. Right. Now, Kessie is an employed teacher for Richland County School District 2, which raises some complications now that she is facing criminal charges. How is this incident going to affect her employment status? Is she going to keep working? Well, Kessie taught at Blythewood Academy and has been on administrative leave since October 2020 when she was arrested. But the school district says that Kessie will no longer be employed in Richland 2 at the end of the school semester. 
Awesome. Beyonce, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. A university professor that has faced sexual harassment and assault lawsuits on behalf of students and faculty is now being granted a sabbatical leave for the fall 2021 semester. The professor, David Voros, is the subject of three sexual harassment lawsuits. The request for his sabbatical was granted on November 5th before the second and third lawsuit were filed last year. The sabbatical will last the entirety of the fall 2021 semester. Following the suits, Voros was removed from the classroom and campus by the university in December until further notice, but still remained on their payroll, which led to a group of USC students to call for the professor, among other faculty, to be fired from his position. The Fire David Voros Coalition, a movement of students that have amassed a following on Twitter and Instagram, has since spoken out about the sabbatical leave, stating that this is the second paid vacation Voros has received this year. We should fire all abusers, not reward them. University spokesperson Jeff Stinsland stated that the sabbatical request was approved last November before two other sexual harassment lawsuits were filed against Voros. When asked if it was possible to repeal a sabbatical request, Stensland stated that it's very uncommon, and the only case when that's happened was when teaching or other responsibilities interfered with a planned sabbatical, according to reporting by the state. Despite the call from students to fire Voros, nothing yet indicates that the university will consider his removal from faculty. According to USC sabbatical request form, the professor who is granted a leave must be eligible to serve in their positions for at least another year after completing their leave. The form also states that the point of a sabbatical is to allow full-time faculty members relief from their normal duties to pursue significant projects designed to improve their capabilities as teachers and increase their future contribution to the mission of the university. Voros, however, was prohibited from performing classroom duties and taking students to study abroad programs following his removal from campus in 2019. It won't be the most sunny weekend ahead, but there are still ways that you and your friends or family can get out and enjoy yourselves this weekend. Stick with us. We'll keep you in the loop. The sunny Memorial weekend is now behind us, but that doesn't mean you can't get together with friends and family to experience what Columbia has to offer. Memorial Day is an observation that is, of course, a big part of American culture, but I hear that there is another big event happening right here in Columbia that celebrates many cultures around South Carolina. That's right, Finn. You can start getting tickets online to the Columbia International Festival this upcoming Saturday and Sunday, June 5th and 6th from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Basically, what this is, is it's a kind of a bring together of all the different cultures, all the music, food, performing arts of different cultures and races all throughout South Carolina. And it's all going to be in one spot. It's, it sounds pretty fun, honestly, especially the food part. The food is usually what uh, brings me somewhere. Uh, price, obviously, you're going to have to drop $7 for a ticket. But for all of that, I feel like that is a very fair price. If you do want to buy tickets, you go to cifonline.org and you can go purchase your tickets there. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we have Soda City Market that happens every single Saturday out on Main Street. And that is definitely a blending of cultures with all of that food that you were talking about. But this event is more than just food. It's music, it's culture, it's performing arts even of all the various cultures, races, nationalities, and languages that are represented within our state. So even though you have to drop that $7 initially, you can still go, at the very least, you can get you can get some food, you can listen to some really good music, and you can watch some people perform some things and have a really good time. 
If you're looking for another big event a little bit closer to the central part of Columbia, there is the Women's Marketplace Expo on June 5th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. That's going to be at the Columbia Metropolitan Convention Center, and it's a curated market of featured local businesses and emerging women-owned brands, and the tickets are available for $5 in advance and $10 at the door. So, you know, whether you go and get some of that really good um, culture blending out of the Columbia International Festival or not, you can ex- you can at least see what the women of Columbia are having to offer with these new and emerging women-owned brands and businesses in right here in Columbia. Yeah, no, that sounds real nice, especially with um with COVID and all that, and just small businesses definitely are struggling out there. It's awesome to kind of like prop them up and show them like, hey, here's the people you can support. These are the people that definitely could use some help right now. And for college students, too, I imagine some people are hiring as well. Some people can go and go find a job or something, maybe connect here. Yeah, exactly. And I brought up the Soda City example a little bit earlier. That's obviously great for local businesses around here. Um, But just as you said, because of the pandemic, local business has really been hurting. But I also think that, you know, with events like this, we can really prop up local businesses and support them. And not just, you know, local businesses in Columbia, but women-owned brands of businesses in Columbia, which I think is going to be really unique. Um, But, you know, this event is talking about business queens, but I hear that there's another event, Tyler, going on this weekend that involves drag queens. Yes, there is. Drag queen aerobics, actually. You can go get some exercise with drag queen Ebony Wood. It's going to lead you through an aerobic class to shape the body and the mind. You can register for $25 online, and if you're a member... You can do it for $20. You get that $5 discount. Always good to get a little discount there. It's going to be located at the Columbia Museum of Art. Head over there. You can go exercise for your body and your mind. Exercise always good for the mind, always good for the body. Just helps you feel good. And then you get to do it with someone, someone really cool. Yeah, exactly. And these marketplaces that are being offered this weekend from the Columbia International Festival to the Women's Marketplace Expo and bringing up Soda City yet again because that happens every single weekend – That's going to take a lot out of you physically doing all that walking around. But on June 6th, you can go, you know, get all that physical stress out of your body with drag queen aerobics. But you can also really help alleviate the stress in your mind as well. And, you know, Tyler, I haven't personally done an aerobics class and I don't have much experience with events involving drag queens. But both events uh, or both worlds, rather, I know are a lot of fun. Um, And that joined together, I might not be able to miss that. That might be too good of an opportunity. To, to to pass out to pass up on yeah i know i know one friend of mine actually he went uh he went and covered a um a drag show on usc they did one in a uh, russell house i believe and he told me it was a uh, pretty interesting so it's a good combo I'd yeah say. yeah yeah i had i had some friends that went to that too i know that that was one of the you know bigger events in terms of attendance that happened on our campus this past year which was really cool to see so many people so hyped up about an event that they could still attend safely this past year and still having to learn to live oh with the God. pandemic yeah makes you makes you excited for fall though it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting fall yeah exactly so Hopefully we can have another drag queen event this fall, but until then you can count on Columbia to keep you hooked up with those drag queen events, starting with drag queen aerobics on June 6th, as well as those other 
lovely events that are happening as well. But in other news, it's a little bit cooler in Columbia this week. In the high today of 82 and the low of 63 show that it is most definitely remaining pretty warm in the capital city. Now that warmth does not mean that the sun is staying out, unfortunately. You can expect to see scattered showers and thunderstorms throughout the rest of the week. In terms of the stock market at the moment, the Dow Jones Industrial Average has increased by 46 points, the NASDAQ decreased by 12 points, and the S&P 500 fell by 2 points. Keeping you in the loop, I'm Finn Carlin. And I'm Tyler Fedor. You're listening to SGTV News 4. Join us next week to stay in the loop.